Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Hello, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day. We love you all. And today we'll be telling you about the players that we love as of February 14th. I just had to check the date. I'm doing this whole Valentine's Day intro. I was like, wait, what's the date? Uh, you weren't sure, huh? We love for 2024. It's our fantasy Valentine's. And uh, a fun fact about the two wide receivers that Dave Richard has on his fantasy Valentine's list. They combined for one catch for nine yards in week one of the 2023 season. Uh, lost in history. But yeah, they were. See if you, I, I'm not even tell you who they are. See if you can figure it out. Two wide receivers had one catch for nine yards in week one. And they were better after that. Uh, so it's me and Dave right now. Jamie will be joining us. It's a, it's a Wednesday. Love you, mean it. And uh, Dave, you didn't, did you get anything for your wife for Valentine's Day? I bought her some flowers and brought them home yesterday. But she insisted that because Valentine's Day was on a Wednesday this year, mm-hmm. she didn't want to do anything special. And so I'm, you know, I, that sounds great to me. You know, let's not go out and spend a, you know, huge amount of money on a fancy dinner or anything like that. But I just got the text, honey, what do you think? Should we bring in tonight? <laughs> so somebody doesn't want to cook on Valentine's Day. Somebody wants a full catered meal and she already got her flowers. I don't know if she's expecting a card, but the truth is, is that my wife, she's my Valentine every day. So oh. I'll do whatever she wants. Well, that is wonderful. All right. Well, listen, any woman who who can sit and you know not annoy me while we're watching the Super Bowl is is a good is a good person in my book. And she does that with every football game that we watch together. She doesn't like the games. She loves the games. Oh, okay. She loves football. Oh, good. It's good. one of the best qualities about her. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, all right, news and notes. Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey are returning. The 49ers say they want to get Brandon Ayuk signed long term. He has one year left on his deal. There was a tweet from his brother, right, saying, oh, this is why we're leaving San Francisco. Um, B.A. to the Raiders. Is that right? Is that a thing? Yeah. All right. Well. No, no, no. That was what was posted by his his. Oh, that's what he put. I don't know if it was his brother. Yeah, we'll see. And then did you see the press conference where he was kind of standoffish with the media? Yeah, he's frustrated. uh, Yeah. But. You know, I I don't know. I mean, they've, they've got him under contract, so hopefully they can smooth things out there. Although, for his fantasy value, it wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing for Ayuk to go somewhere else, and maybe he could flourish. I think a lot of people would expect him to be an elite player if he had that opportunity, um, which doesn't quite happen in San Francisco. 
Cincinnati is expected to use the franchise tag on T. Higgins, according to The Athletic. We're going to talk about Joe Burrow today. The franchise tag doesn't mean he'll stay necessarily. They could put it there just as a placeholder until they work something out, or they could trade him. But the expectation, according to The Athletic, is that T. Higgins will get the tag. And Anthony Richardson began throwing, and we're going to talk about him as well. Dave, uh, are you excited real quick for fantasy baseball season? Of course I am. It's it's one of the most important fantasy parts of the year. Yes. And Fantasy Baseball Today is one of the most important podcasts of the year. Sure. No, Fantasy Baseball Today is great. I used to host it, but now it's even better because Frank Stamfel is hosting it with Chris Towers and Scott White. They'll talk prospects. They'll get you caught up on all the, the rookies you need to know about, position previews. Uh, now's the time. Now's the time to really get ready. Uh, spring training is just around the corner. So check out the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast on YouTube, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you watch or listen. All right, it's time for our Fantasy Valentines, and Jamie should be here any minute, but let's start with Dave's two quarterbacks. Jamie's going to talk about Kyler Murray and Jordan Love. Dave, you're going to love Joe Burrow and Anthony Richardson. And the last time we did a draft, I think Burrow was something like QB8. Uh, Richardson will maybe go similarly based on what he did last year. But then again, maybe people will be too scared of him with the injuries. But uh, yeah, so Burrow, let's start with him. Let me preface by saying that I think a lot of the players that I'm going to talk about are guys that I think are great values and not necessarily like my favorite players that I would love to get in round one or round two. I don't think I gave you anybody that I would take super early in a draft. But Burrow... Uh, there, there was that little span. It was week five when he started to look like himself all the way through until he got hurt against Baltimore in week 11. Six games, averaged almost 24 fantasy points per game, had three very good games in there. You know that he's throwing to Jamar Chase. Sounds like he's got a really good shot of throwing to T. Higgins. I think the rest of that offense is up for grabs as far as improving the offensive line maybe getting a new third receiver. They could go with one of their rookies from last season as the number three guy. Tyler Boyd's a free agent. They don't have to bring him back. And then the run game is a question mark. Are they going to have Joe Mixon back for another year? But they will almost certainly use whoever they have as running back as a pass catcher out of the backfield. That helps Joe Burrow as well. If they do move on from Mixon and not spend a lot of draft capital on a running back, then it's just more on Burrow's plate. I think he has a chance to finish as a top five fantasy quarterback. I have him ranked accordingly. So he was fourth per game in 2022, his best season, his only great fantasy season. He's played four years, and Burrow only has one season where he's finished higher than, I want to say, ninth per game. And that was, you know. Okay. Look, I I mean, he's only been in the NFL for three years. His rookie year wasn't great, and he tore his ACL. Last year, he came into the season with a calf injury. And then he hurt his wrist. So maybe the the biggest issue with Burrow is is not necessarily that he hasn't done it much. It's that he hasn't had the opportunity to do it much because he's gotten hurt. That might scare some people off from drafting Joe Burrow, but yeah. the value in which you get him at and the fact that you can get a second quarterback if you want to later on in your draft makes him just it's an easier player to take once you get past round four. He's been in the league four years. Um I think the you know the drawback yes. yeah. Um, yeah, 2020 was his rookie year. 2021 was a really good season, but as I recall, it was just a great season for quarterbacks. So he didn't finish that high, but in your second season to throw for 4,600 yards and 34 touchdowns in 16 games, I mean, that's really impressive. A couple things that, that work against him. He doesn't run a ton. 
I think he's more like a 250-yard rusher. Uh, last year, didn't c- come close to that because he had the calf injury. 2021, he didn't come close to that because he was coming off a torn ACL. But if you look at what he did in college, you look at what he did, I think, as a rookie, and then in his best year, 2022, I think you were talking about a 250-yard rusher, which is okay, but it's not great. He's also a little interception-prone. Uh, didn't really do it last year so much, but 14 interceptions in 2021, 12 interceptions in 2022. So you're going to need probably 4,800 passing guards, which he has shown at his best he's absolutely capable of doing. And you're going to need high 30s in the touchdowns, I think, which again, he has shown he's capable of doing. Final Burrow, two final Burrow questions is Jamie joins the show. Happy, oh, hey, Valentine. Hey, Jamie. Hey, cuties. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Two questions. We about- giggle. We giggle at that for some reason. Uh, you uh, would you rather have Burrow or Richardson? And do you think Burrow needs both Chase and Higgins to be a true fantasy standout? Dave, you asking me? No, Dave. Then you can go. I'm ranking him ahead of Richardson, and he needs Chase and somebody solid at least. Okay, Jamie. Same questions to you, cutie pie. Um, I would rather have Burrow as of now, um, but I think for what the expectations are for both of these guys, Burrow has a chance to be among the fantasy elite right now. Richardson can certainly get there. I don't think Burrow will get there without a good complementary receiving option because we know Richardson can do it with his legs and Burrow's not going to do that. Okay, Uh, and last thing I'll just say, give you these numbers. He's played, I want to say, seven games in his career without T. Higgins, and he has been good, not great. Those are games where T. Higgins either missed or did not play half the snaps, so less than 50% of the snaps. And good, again, solid, but only one game with more than 24 fantasy points in six-point per passing touchdown leagues. All right, Dave, what do you want to say about Anthony Richardson? It's the exact same boat we were in last year with Richardson, with the exception being that we've seen him play. It was just a little smattering of games. Played in four games total. He left two of them early. Averaged almost 20 fantasy points per game. In the two games he actually finished, he averaged 28.3 fantasy points. He looked good as a thrower. He should be even better. We don't know what the Colts are going to do to improve the receiving core around him, but that offense was solid with him, and I could very easily see him finish as a top 10 type of fantasy quarterback. And he'll probably be that way in ADP. He'll probably be top 10, but he'll be closer to 10 than he would be to six. And that makes him a, a, a raging value that you can feel excited about on draft day. And just like what we talked about with Burrow, you can find another quarterback later just in case things don't work out with Anthony Richardson. Unbelievable that week one game because he scored in week one 23 fantasy points against Jacksonville in week four 33.6 against the Rams. But as I recall against Jacksonville, he got hurt right near the goal line at the end, right? And then Minshew came in. Yeah, he got hurt at the three yard line. So he could have scored again um, and they ended up not scoring. Uh, They lost by 10. But he he was yeah he was so good Richardson does he do you think they they rein him in we hear that Jamie we hear this a lot right oh well he's not gonna run as much and then a lot of times they run as much that's just who they are but do you do you think they're gonna have a very different approach with Richardson that would hurt his fantasy value Jamie 
If they did, then they drafted the wrong guy. I mean, you didn't draft him to, you know, um, keep him in a box. You drafted him to be, you know, the type of athlete and performer and quarterback that he's capable of being. And he's, you know, got a chance to be electric. And look, you can talk about the flaws of Lamar Jackson. He's now a two-time MVP before the age of 28. You know, so obviously he's been doing something right, playing a different style than what most quarterbacks have played in the history of this game. And so, you know, yes, you'd like to keep him healthy. Obviously, I'm sure there'll be some concerns and and, and restrictions on maybe some of the things that he does. And look, we, we just went through a whole offseason talking about Tua staying healthy and, you know, speaking to Tua at the Pro Bowl and, and, and hearing him throughout the course of the season, you know, playing a full year was a big part of what he wanted to accomplish. And he did different things to make that happen, you know, learning how to fall, taking, you know, jujitsu or, 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 or some form of martial arts to try and, you know, help his body and his 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 athleticism. I'm sure the Colts will do their due diligence to try to make sure that Richardson stays healthy. But running quarterbacks just have that risk. Thankfully, he's not coming off something related to his legs. He's coming off a shoulder injury. So from the perspective of how he plays, you know, at least that's something that is somewhat manageable. Um, and he and he missed time. During, you know, one of the injuries was a concussion. So. Hopefully everything is uh, is is headed in the right trajectory for him because he has a chance to be just special. And, you know, I, I hope that's the case. You know, he could be one of these guys that I know he will be for me. And I'll, I'll talk about one of the other guys that, that I, I'm, I'm excited about um, that you'll be able to get at such a great value who could by far exceed those expectations because of what the upside is. All right. Kyler Murray and Jordan Love are the two quarterbacks that Jamie has on his Valentine's Day list here. Who do you like better next year, Kyler or Jordan Love? Well, since we're talking Valentine's, it's got to be love. Oh, that's um, right. Very event, good. <laughs> um, yes, I would draft Jordan Love ahead of Kyle Murray. But um, again, talking about value, Kyler's going to be one of my favorite targets because I'm certainly going to wait on the position as long as I can. And I've done that so far in, in the majority of drafts that we've done, the, the small sample size. Um, but look, we, we saw Jordan Love and, and what he was able to accomplish. And, and I'm sure there's probably some sentiment, at least based on, again, the drafts that we've done. Is it fluky? Can he do it again? You know, is he going to be able to accomplish that? Um, he's not going to be drafted or ranked in the top five. He has top five potential. I think as his receiving core grows into its own and gets a little bit more established and we maybe get a full season of Christian Watson, which I think is maybe the thing that unlocks Jordan Love's potential because I think Watson could, is the type of receiver that could take a player, take a quarterback to the next level. But his receiving core is special. I think the run game is something you got to be a little bit concerned about with the 29-year-old Aaron Jones expected to return, and we'll see what they do to potentially replace or upgrade on A.J. Dillon. But look, Love was unbelievable in his first year stepping in. We know he had some flaws, but he really sort of corrected himself middle of the year to the end, got the Packers into the playoffs, and, and just looks like, you know, unfortunately for the NFC North, like the Packers may have just done it again, found another guy that, you know, can carry them for 20 years as they had with Favre and with Rodgers. So just based on what the expected value is, what the expected production will be, he's just going to be just, a, again, a great value pick. In terms of Kyler, um, we have uh, a little bit of an incomplete right now coming into the offseason because we don't know what this receiving core is going to look like. You know, it's easy to project Marvin Harrison Jr. to them at four, and, and that would be fun for Kyler. Uh, they have to do something, I think, on top of that because Marquise Brown's a free agent. And so the Rondale Moore experiments probably run its course. Uh, we'll see what Michael Wilson has to offer, but he was injured very much as a rookie. Uh, Greg Dortch is more of a you know fill-in candidate, but Trey McBride and maybe one or two receivers, that's going to be a pretty nice situation for Kyler. We know what he does with his legs. Uh, year two coming off an ACL, we usually talk about that more for running backs than we do for quarterbacks or any other position. But I think his, uh, his legs kind of held up, you know, and maybe 
uh, exceeded expectations for for last season. So these are just going to be two great value picks at a position that's going to be loaded and deep once again. And I think both Love and Kyler Murray can be top five caliber quarterbacks that you'll get with close to maybe round eight or later value on drafting. How would you feel about getting both those guys coming out? Of I here? would not make that investment personally, but I don't have a problem with it. What's the difference between Love now and Trevor Lawrence a year ago? Do you think Love proved it for a little bit more? You know, because it was basically Lawrence had like five or six great games that we were really excited about, and he had all this pedigree. Um, yeah, it, you know, or, you know, again, yeah, like it's fine to it's fine to project, but do you think there's a difference here? Uh, do you think there's more to go on with Love or less or the same or what? I think there's more to go on with love. Um, and really it's a lot of more, more, at least more faith in the play caller, more faith in the offense. You know, I mean, that was a big problem for, for Lawrence. And, and I'm saying this in hindsight because I did not expect that to be the case for, for what Lawrence showed in his second season in his first year with Peterson. Cause it looked like, okay, this offense is catered to him and then adding Calvin Ridley, you know, so yeah. you thought it was going to be the sky's the limit for him, but, it's a it's a fair comp, you know, to talk about some of these guys that have the 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 small sample size and not exactly the you know the longevity of doing it year over year. But like you said, that's why we're projecting and yeah. why we're in this business. You know, we're hoping for these guys to do certain things and play a certain way and perform a certain way. And look, if I, I think the nice thing about love is he didn't need help to do it. And and I'm saying that in that it wasn't like Dak Prescott got C.D. Lamb to help carry him along the way. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't need one specific guy. He did it with the group. It yeah. was, okay, Watson's not there. Now it's it's Reed and Wicks. Uh, Wicks is not he there. He elevated them. He, yeah. And 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 that's, you know, I, I think, again, credit to him, credit to LaFleur, credit to the receiving core as a whole. And it's just a, it's just a good group. So um, I'm, I'm excited about him. But I, I also think, you know, to your, to your comparison, Adam, we were drafting Lawrence to be a breakout candidate. We talked about that, you know, with the, our, our, our hits and misses uh, on, on our last show or previous show prior to Super Bowl. And, you know, Dave wasn't alone in, in calling Lawrence a breakout. We were all kind of in that category except for uh, Heath. But um, and, and Love, I think, will be placed in that breakout category because, again, he, again, he, he does have that top five caliber upside. But he's not going to be drafted with the same expectations, at least based on what we've seen so far. What do you think of Love's offensive line? I'm first of all, I think it's a fantastic question that you that you gave us, Adam, and, and the comparison legitimate. I, I thought that Lawrence struggled last year. Part of it's because his receivers would make mistakes. Part of it was because he made some mistakes. But I don't think his offensive line helped him out that much. And so that's the one area of the offense. Like the running backs are going to get addressed in Green Bay, but that's the other area of the offense that's going to get addressed. They don't need to do anything else at wide receiver because that group is so young. So I'd be shocked if the Packers drafted another wide receiver with a with a top 100 pick or you know made a splash free agent signing at wide receiver. I think they attack the offensive line. I think they try and protect Jordan Love even more than they did last year. And that could be the first difference between the two of them. But otherwise, you're absolutely right. It's a concern because we saw Trevor Lawrence from week 12 on in 2022 – Averaged almost 25 fantasy points per game. It was 24.4. Love did get to 25 fantasy points in his final nine games. And a little bit of that was rushing. He runs a little bit more than Lawrence does, but it's not necessarily something that you're going to. They both, I think they're do. pretty similar there. I, I really do. I, I think that you you hit the nail on the head on this one. 
And it's a question that we're going to have to answer and justify in order to take Jordan Love. Like, I've got Jordan Love eighth. I, I really love Love. Mm-hmm. And I want to get him or, you know, a quarterback in that second tier, if Love is indeed in the second tier, to, to start building my team out, assuming that they don't go too soon in my draft. But I, I, there, you have to justify it a little bit before you completely buy in and take him ahead of somebody who seems safer, maybe without as much upside as Purdy, someone who, like Herbert who's accomplished but might not be in the best offense. Oh, I would take him over both those guys. I would too, but I, I think it does need to be ironed out a little bit just to make sure that he's the right guy to take. Because if he flops, like Lawrence flops, and he takes that big step back, then you're going to wish you had one of those other quarterbacks. Out. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to call Purdy established, though, because they basically have the same career at this point. Love and Purdy? That's fair. Uh, and Love's well, been better. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think the other side of this conversation is— Career games, excuse me, obviously not different. I don't think we should just forget about Trevor Lawrence. It's not like his fantasy career is over. I mean, there's still a lot. No, to like about no, him. and and you He's know, one of like, those late round quarterbacks you can get. Yeah, yeah I I think you know to, to Dave's question, you know, would you want to take two of these guys? Yes, you would. At least I would prefer to have Love and Murray if I'm taking two. But you know, you can spend a little bit later pick on Lawrence most likely at this point. You know, I think mm-hmm. the the quarterbacks that we'll see, and and we we did this with the listener mock draft, which was a super flex one. When Adam gave, I believe it was Benny, uh, Kirk Cousins, like six rounds too soon. Um, <laughs> Super flex? <laughs> you mean one um, pick too soon? Um, I'm joking, but it was. Uh, it, it you know we'll see, we'll see some of these quarterbacks in one quarterback leagues that are going to be late round picks that you're going to be like, really? Well, I can still get these guys right, late, right. like Cousins because he's coming off an injury. Rogers coming off an injury, but Tua and Lawrence, you know, I think those are going to be two guys that will sort of hang around on drafts in drafts. And you'll be, you know, I think, I don't know if excited is the right word, but hopeful that, you know, Tua can maybe be a little bit better than what he was this past season, which he was very good. And that Lawrence can maybe put together, you know, 13 plus games of what he showed you in 2022, as opposed to what he showed for the majority of last year. Okay, we're going to take a break here. Uh, Our email address, by the way, I'm going to see if we have time for emails today. It's fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That's the letter I. Oh, we got a great one yesterday. Oh, classic email. (laughs) Fantasy football at cbsi.com. Uh, please put something in the subject. Uh, whatever, I'll figure it out. Uh, anyway, we'll talk running backs. Got some some good young running backs on our Valentine's Day list here. We'll be right back on FFT. <laughs> okay, we're back. I think Dave is texting Jamie something about me. Is no, that- absolutely not. Oh, okay, nope. okay, okay. Uh, all right, let's talk about some running backs here. Four running backs on this list of uh, of players we love for 2024, and they all need an opportunity. Uh, Jamie, the two you gave, oh three, uh, three were Jamie's, one one from Dave. Jamie gave Tajay Spears, Elijah Mitchell, and Chase Brown. Okay, do you think any of them? Okay, not Mitchell. He, I understand he's a different case. We'll talk about that, but. Spears and Brown, you think they open the season as starters for the Titans and Bengals, respectively? There's a chance, you know, probably more so with Spears than there is with with Brown, um, because at least you know Spears showed his team. I know it's a new regime, but they showed his GM at least that he can be a a potential playmaker. And um, we know the NFL is very, um, you know, they like to stick to trends and. and uh, 
you don't pay running backs and win Super Bowls. And so I don't know how many teams are going to be aggressive in, in, in spending more money in that position as we've seen it trend in the wrong direction for what those guys are looking to, to make. And so if Derrick Henry leaves, do they bring in somebody else from a either cheap standpoint uh, to be an upgrade over Spears? You know, if, if let's say Mixon, for example, who fo- follows Callahan to Tennessee, if he's released um, and doesn't get a big deal or an Eckler or something like that, you know, an older running back, I don't think Jacobs or, or Barkley fall into this category because I think those guys will – get a little bit more money, but in any event, um, Spears is somebody, uh, you know, we, we've, we've seen this in drafts. It tends to be me and Dan Schneier fighting over him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm very excited about what I saw and the, and the opportunity, uh, same thing for Chase Brown, you know, just knowing that Joe Mixon might be out the door and he could be a little bit of, uh, you, you know, I don't want to say upgrade because Joe Mixon was still very good last year, but has a little bit more juice maybe in terms of what he can offer this offense. And so I'm excited about both those guys. And, and, you know, at least in the case of Brown right now, um, if Mixon does return, uh, similar to Mitchell, he'll be two guys that I'll be targeting, you know, uh, Mitchell somewhere. I'm going to be aggressive with him. I've taken him in almost every draft we've done. Uh, Startup Dynasty drafts with Heath. Uh, I've done it in, I think, almost every draft we've done from a redraft perspective. Um, McCaffrey's going to make me nervous next year. And, you know, for what his, you know, age and workload and, you know, I don't think injury risk anymore, but you know, just for the, the the two factors of what he did this past season and entering his age 28 year, um, Mitchell has a chance to be, you know, a, a league winner as a lottery ticket. And I think Chase Brown could as well if Mixon were to miss any time. So if they stay in backup roles, which is certainly what I expect for Mitchell and definitely what, what I would anticipate for Brown right now, they're going to be, uh, you know, two, two running backs that I'll be aggressive in targeting and, just have to be patient with understanding it. And Spears, if he does end up as the lead running back there, he's going to be a very, you know, hyped up type of fantasy option where, you know, we'll be probably saying, oh my God, I can't believe he's going in round three or round four by the time we get to draft season. That's how much hype I think he can get. 52 catches as a rookie for Spears, 100 carries. He averaged 4.5 yards per carry, averaged over seven yards per catch, which was good. It wasn't great. 4.5 yards per carry, very good. The catch... Yards per catch, very solid for Tajay Spears. Um, had the one game where Henry left with an injury, and he had 16 carries for 75 yards and four catches for 13 yards in that game. So that's pretty damn good work, and that was with Henry playing a lot of that game. Um, anyway, uh, Dave, your thoughts on on that trio of Tajay Spears, Elijah Mitchell, Chase Brown? Let's start with Mitchell, because I think... The idea of drafting him at this point is that he's going to be the number two running back in San Francisco. If that ends up happening, absolutely worth it. Uh, I posted this on X this week. McCaffrey next year is going to be 28. He's coming off a 19-game, 417-touch season. The last time he had over 400 touches and 2,000 total yards, that was 2019. He had five injuries and missed 23 games over two years. And he was obviously younger then. So the idea of getting whoever that backup running back is in San Francisco makes a ton of sense. It just so happens that Mitchell is a proven entity in that offense, knows how to run the the zone run scheme that they have, and would be, I don't think he'd be as good as McCaffrey, no one's saying that, but where you're drafting him and someone that would end up being uh, an RB2 most weeks, I think I think it's a great call. So oh, you I, would take his rookie production in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. He's just not going to catch passes most likely, but probably whatever. not very many, but if, if he's going to, 
the, here's the problem with Mitchell is that if they work him too much, he could break down. And we've seen him deal with injuries ever since he broke out in his first year. So that, that part makes me a little bit nervous about Mitchell and, you know, how many games could we realistically get out of him if he's touching the ball at least 15 times per. It doesn't really matter. That question doesn't really matter when you're taking him in round nine or later. But it's it's something to think about if he ends up being someone that you're absolutely going to count on in your lineup week in and week out. You might want to eventually acquire whoever's backing him up if we enter the hellscape of McCaffrey's out for a long time, Mitchell's your starter in San Francisco, and then Jordan Mason if he's the guy is there. And also, we just have to see what that depth chart looks like. Chase Brown's good. Uh, he could end up being the lead back in Cincinnati. We saw him play well in spurts. I'd love to see what he looks like when he plays more often and gets more opportunities. We saw that with Ty J Spears and his metrics, Adam and James, over the course of this past season. Uh, when you line him up against other running backs that had at least 50 carries this year, were awesome. Who? Brown or Spears? Carry. Brown or Spears? You, hold on. What? Brown or Spears? Spears. Spears. That's okay. easy. Spears yeah. is out of all. No, these no. Guys. I was at, I was saying, who are you? Who are you talking about? I, I couldn't. I'm sorry. I, I, I thought you were, you were asking who about I was drafting. For. No, I figured you were talking about Spears. I just wanted no, to clarify. Spears is electric. I don't think any of the things that I could tell you about. Yeah, you know, fifth in avoided tackle rate among qualifying running backs. Eighth in explosive run rate. Um, he averaged four yards per carry against eight in the box. I don't think uh, Derrick Henry's done that for a long time. And it's going to be a completely different offense. So if the draft ends and the Titans do nothing at running back, Ty J Spears is going to be everybody's favorite breakout. Yeah. I For a guy that came into the league, people were wondering if he had any ACLs. And he never addressed that. He just said, I'm healthy. Uh, I That's my thing is like, could can he be that guy? Can he be a, a workhorse backer? No, there's there's going to be somebody else there. Whether it's right. you know again some aging veteran, um, you would hope it was going it, to. It's it's like a and and not to disrespect any of these guys, but like a like a Matt Breida or a Jeff Wilson or somebody that's going to come in yeah. and be, you know, a fill in, not a replacement, not an upgrade. All right. Uh, okay, let's go to Roshan Johnson. That was the one that Dave gave. And what do you like about Roshan Johnson and do you like him better than Khalil Herbert? I am going to draft him ahead of Khalil Herbert as of now. I like that in five games when he had at least 10 touches, and there were plenty where a lot of them were catches, he averaged 12 PPR points. I feel like that that could be – I don't think 12 PPR points is a safe floor for Roshan Johnson, but I'm expecting this Bears run game to be a little bit thinned out, a little bit more dialed in on Roshan and one other guy, whether it's Herbert, whether it's somebody else that they bring in. I think Roshan's just going to get the same type of opportunity that he had last year at the beginning of the season with a chance for it to explode and really come through with what I thought would happen by the end of the 2023 season. So someone that could be in that neighborhood of 13, 14 touches per game, plenty of them coming through the air. Coaching staff already believes in him as a passing downs back. They used him as such and could end up being a feature back for Chicago if things break right for him. Another one of my favorite running backs to draft I think I'm still taking Spears ahead of him. There's probably a couple of other running backs that I would still take ahead of Roshan Johnson, but that could change a little bit. And it could be Spears and Roshan back to back in with the top 65 pick a month from now. I mean, they they could really end up being 
players that I'll fight for on draft day because of their huge upside once the season actually starts. You see that same upside, Jamie, with Roshan Johnson? Not as Spears, no. Not not as long as, as Herbert's still there. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else is brought in to Chicago, um, similar to Tennessee as well. But I, I think for the, – the, there's a big gap for me between Spears and Roshan. It's not particularly close. Um, but I, I think for what Roshan has to offer – uh, you'd like it to be just Herbert as the competition. Now, the problem for Roshan Johnson is he's never been a featured guy in college in the NFL so far. You know, so is that something that's a problem? Because we've seen these guys, you know, that have a lot of talent but just don't necessarily have the opportunity or the uh, ability to, you know, step into that role. And, it, you know, I said this, I think, a week or two ago. That it was very frustrating, unfortunately, for him that when Herbert suffered the ankle injury, you know, he suffered the concussion that was multiple weeks and Foreman got the chance to be the lead guy there. So, he has a chance. I think it definitely would be a benefit to him and, and even Khalil Herbert if they move on from Justin Fields because I think you know Caleb Williams will probably be more inclined to you know use his running backs as weapons in, in the passing game as opposed to Fields, who's going to you know be much more apt to use his legs. Uh, but obviously, there's a lot to like about Roshan's game. There's a lot to like about the situation. Again, if he's just competing with Khalil Herbert, um, I probably would still draft Herbert ahead of Johnson if they're the two guys in Chicago's backfield, but they won't be far apart. It's very similar to Pittsburgh, just on a little bit of a lower scale. Like I think both guys have the opportunity to uh, be better than the next one, whether, you know, it's, it's the offense, the week, the opponent, um, you know, there'll be some games I think where Herbert will be dramatically better than Roshan and games where Johnson will be better than Herbert. But uh, the bears guys are closer to each other than either one would be for Spears for me. Yeah. I mentioned this on a recent show, Khalil Herbert, yeah, what he when he gets work, he's been pretty good. He's been awesome. Uh, he's got 11 career games with 16 or more carries. He's rushed for 97 or more yards in seven of those 11 games, and he scored 15.9 or more PPR fantasy points in seven of those 11 games. It just doesn't seem like they're ever going to really let him be a feature back. I mean, it happens in spurts, but for a full season, I don't know. I mean, his last three games of the year, Khalil Herbert had 20, 18, and 12 carries. Roshan had nine, seven, and five in those games. And the other thing working against them is that no matter who their quarterback is, it's going to be a guy that's probably going to take away rushing touchdowns from them, whether it's Field or Fields or Williams. Probably more of a threat would be Fields, I would guess. I'm, yeah. try, I'm trying to look up. Like Williams had 11 rushing touchdowns last year, Caleb Williams. I'm going to try to look up now because this just occurred to me to look up where they came from. But, I mean, Fields is like a massive guy. Caleb Williams is much smaller. Fields is... is more built for those goal line touchdowns. So I, I do think maybe if Caleb Williams is their quarterback, maybe that could help. Maybe that could get you a little more, uh, tr- you know, true running back opportunities near the goal line. I'm not even going to look up where those touchdowns came from. It's probably <laughs> not going to matter when we get to the next level. Um, all right. Uh, that's our quarterbacks or our running back. Excuse me. Now I said earlier in the show that Dave's two wide receivers that he loves had a combined one catch for nine yards in week one. Jamie, do you do you know who they are? Well, you might know from the email <laughs> when he put them in. And everybody got Christian Kirk. So who is the other one? Had no catches. He had no catches, and that was Drake London. But I also forgot that Dave actually had three wide receivers, and one of them was Jacoby Myers. So f- forget about him for this little trivia question. But London and Kirk had terrible week ones, and London didn't really turn his season around. I don't even think he was a top 40 wide receiver this year. 
Um, He had two touchdown catches. Uh, But Kirk did have a very nice season. Who do you like better right now if you're drafting, London or Kirk? It's going to sound silly, but it's Drake London. Because I'm I'm hoping for the third-year breakout, brand-new offense, brand-new quarterback, and I I like the play caller. I like that Zach Robinson's going to get an opportunity to run the show for the Falcons' offense. I think an improvement in uh, quarterback, more accurate throws, maybe even like a little more funneling targets to the good players and not trying to work in Cordero Patterson and Cordero Hodge and Jonu Smith and Van Jefferson. I, I think you get away from that. And the Falcons just lean on this amazing talent and a big talent in Drake London. I think the end result is going to be a huge upswing in targets per game, catches per game. All the fantasy numbers will come up with it, and he'll be a, a really good breakout candidate. Jamie, who do you like better right now, Christian Kirk or Drake London? Right now it's Kirk, but it'll be London by the time we get the quarterback in Atlanta. So that's the the biggest thing. So I, I, I anticipate Calvin Ridley gone. I anticipate Christian Kirk to be closer to what he was two years ago as hopefully the lead receiver for uh, for Trevor Lawrence in, in this Jacksonville offense. He was great you know, when he signed as a free agent. I think a lot of people laughed at it based on what the contract was uh, because it felt like the Jaguars overpaid $18 million a year to get him to, to Jacksonville. Um, I know we were joking about us on this show. I, I I called it the Jaguars tax, you know, just because nobody wants to go play in Jacksonville, and uh, it worked out well. And you know, he had a good season last year. Didn't have a great season, um, and took a step back. But obviously, almost everything in Jacksonville took a step back, aside from Travis Etienne, who he should have traded in Week Six. Um, but uh, in in in, ter- in terms of in terms of uh, uh, London, the upside, as Dave alluded to, is is much higher, and and hopefully they they get the right quarterback in place. You know, if if it goes where they have to sort of settle for Ritter and a Heineke type, you know, I mean, you could see maybe somebody like Minshew going there. Um, you know, where it's not, let's say, like a Justin Fields, or or they go into the draft and get somebody that that's a that's a significant upgrade. Then it's just going to be another, you know, deflating situation because yes, the offense should be better in theory, but if the passer not getting London, if the passer getting London the ball is not going to be a dramatic upgrade, it's hard to expect that type of breakout performance even in his third year. So he'll be better just by, I think, circumstance again in a better system that will throw the ball a little bit more. But it's got to be the right quarterback to help elevate Drake London's game. So that's the biggest hope is that that will be the case. Yeah, I think for London, you might be surprised to know their their passing game wasn't really that bad. They were yeah, it was. no, it wasn't. They were twenty second. Yeah. I don't care what number they finished. Oh, I don't. Care. How do you not care? I'm saying they were twenty second in gross passing yards per game. So or gross passing yards total, either one. It was gross. You're right. No, but that's not that bad. I mean, to say twenty second is not that bad. It's not. There were ten teams that were worse than them, and to say that. The Falcons. So they were they were below average. They were below average. But you have say, the talent that they have. It's gross. I understand that, but but what I'm saying is to say that they're definitely going to be better. They actually weren't really that bad. Now touchdowns were bad. They were 26 in touchdowns, and that's no 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 no. I, look, I see what you're doing, Dave. But first of all, yeah. I think everybody has to. I think everybody has to understand something. Offense has been down the last two years. We are yeah. no longer. I mean, maybe we'll get back to that. I don't know. But we're, we're, we might be in a different era of football right now. 2022 and 2023 were not as high scoring as, I don't know, maybe the three years before that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the Falcons, you think about their passing game and you think it's terrible, but let's compare them to the Bears. Okay, they were they had a better passing game than the Bears, and DJ Moore was the number six wide receiver in football. They had because a better, they had a better quarterback. They had a better quarterback, they, and they uh, gave him but, a huge target share. But you're telling me they had a better quarterback, but I'm telling you that the Falcons had better passing numbers than the Bears. So, And what, I bet you're including running back passing numbers in there as well. As it, What it, do you mean? It's the total amount of passing yards, It's I'm everyone. Assuming. It's Bajant. It's Fields. It's every, every pass thrown for the Falcons. I'm versus, talking about who catches the ball. And I'm I would talking, rank the quarterbacks from those two teams, Fields, Bajant, Heineke, Ritter. It doesn't matter what how you rank them. It, it, to me, in this argument, what well, matters quality of targets. It's it's opportunities. I mean, it's I know, but know, I'm saying they ha- they threw for more yards than than a lot of teams. Than ten I, teams. I, I understand what you're saying, but that does not mean that that's better for what the passing game in Atlanta is. But they had a better passing game. I mean, how else do but you? You're measure? comparing it to Chicago. I don't want to be comparing it to Chicago when I have well, Vic London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan Robinson. But you're, I'm comparing it to Chicago for two reasons. One. You know, DJ Moore, I'm trying to compare like a, a good wide receiver on a bad situation. But two, I think a lot of people are saying, hey, maybe Justin Fields goes to the Falcons. And my point is, it's not going to be that easy for them to upgrade their passing game uh, because Fields wouldn't put up big numbers per se. He might be a better quarterback, but he barely throws. And he's honestly maybe not that good of a quarterback. I mean, his numbers aren't really that great. Sure. So but I, I yeah, also think, you know, again, System will matter. And and as Dave said, you know, Zach Robinson coming from the system that he came and hopefully implementing that with the right quarterback, Fields or rookie or otherwise. Uh, maybe even it's Desmond Ritter. Look, maybe it's just somebody giving some some better plays and 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 better, you know, terminology and, and coaching and and helping enhance the skill set of someone who may be decent. I mean, look, Ritter was not horrible in college. He wasn't the most prized prospect, but he certainly wasn't a disaster like he's looked like in the NFL. And so it could just be that if they don't, you know, go out and find the right partner or right rookie to step in and replace those guys. I would hope that's the case because I don't want to see that story again. I'd like to see somebody different in there to help bring out the best of London and Pitts and Robinson. And really Robinson should do fine as long as it's just not Arthur Smith handcuffing him by, you know, giving too many carries to other guys. But I think that's the the hope is that it's just better play calling and better targets, better opportunities, you know, every everything you want to attach to it across the board for somebody like Drake London, who came into the NFL as the best wide receiver in that class based on how he was drafted. Someone says, and the numbers back it up. He had almost seven targets per game. His catch rate was 63%. It should have been higher. He saw a ton of off-target throws. Target per route rate was 22.7%. That's low. 16 red zone targets, six end zone targets, two touchdowns. That's the other number that we need to believe in right. going up by 300%. We need to believe that Drake London is a candidate for at least six touchdowns and definitely over 1,200 yards for him to be considered like a big-time breakout type of fantasy receiver. I'm looking at some of the comments. You know, Falcons' pass game was terrible. Adam, 22nd is bad, brother. So I, I think my impression was the Falcons' passing game was terrible. That's what I thought. Then I saw they were 22nd, which is not even bottom third. I mean, it's basically bottom third, right? I mean, they're 10 teams worse. But think about it. Their passing game was better. Look at the teams that are below them. And then maybe you'll go, okay, actually, it wasn't that terrible compared to Carolina, the Giants, sure. yeah. the Jets, 
the mm-hmm. Patriots, the Bears, the Cardinals, the Steelers, the Titans, the Broncos, the Raiders, all average fewer pass passing yards per game. How about But the- those are all teams I would put in the same canoe of just terrible quarterbacks, bad offensive lines, injured quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks. To I a mean, different level though. I mean, right. Like, the Cardinals might have two okay, different so Atlanta was more the better. best of that group. Great. They're they're ahead of that group. I mean, they're they're right there with Las Vegas and Denver. But they're much better. They were much better last year than Carolina and the Jets and the Patriots but and the Giants. That's not a huge surprise, though. Yeah, you're basically calling them the best restaurant in Times Square. How about the two teams that were right ahead of them? Baltimore and Indianapolis and Philadelphia. So what I'm saying is, you know, we, we have must-start, like especially Indianapolis and Philadelphia, we have must-start wide receivers on teams that averaged about the same amount of yards per game as Atlanta. London didn't have... The target share, I think. Dave, you mentioned the right, target. That goes back runners. to the coach. Maybe. I, and the quarterback. I believe in Drake London, too. I'm just saying, I don't know how easy it is. So basically him. what you're saying, well, hold on, though. Yeah. So in, in terms of just Drake London, so to tie it back to Justin Fields, if Justin Fields were to go to Atlanta, he clearly has shown he can support a number one wide receiver to a very high level. Yeah. I, yeah. So, right. Um it would be encouraging. I would say that if I were making a statistical argument, I would say that probably DJ Moore, if you just ran it back, DJ Moore and Justin Fields again in Chicago, Moore probably wouldn't have as good of a year as he had. Um, he was probably a little bit too efficient. And I would say that any team with Justin Fields is probably going to struggle to feature a, to have a truly elite wide receiver. I was shocked, a surprise that DJ Moore was able to do it this year. He ju- Fields just doesn't throw for enough yards or touchdowns. Um, I would also say that having Pitts and potentially Bijan in the passing game is more significant competition than anything that DJ Moore dealt with. Well, again, to to keep this the same comparison going, DJ Moore, I forget what his ADP was, but the expectations for DJ Moore based on what his career has been were going to be higher than what the expectations are right now for what Drake London is going to be, even if Justin Fields goes there. Now, he's going to get a boost in hype because of us and the industry. Oh, my God, he's got a quarterback now. Oh, my God, he's He's got a better He's freed from Arthur Smith. Oh, my God, yes, he's freed from Arthur Smith. Yeah. So where if it was the same situation, right, let's say they kept Arthur Smith and they kept Ritter and somebody else, then we're probably drafting Drake London at the earliest in round six, I would say in a three-receiver league, maybe round seven, based on the just being sour on that entire team for two straight years. Wait, are you saying if, if Arthur Smith were there? or If, if Arthur Smith were there. Uh, yes, right, right. And now with 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 Robinson and, and Morris as the head coach and expected change in quarterback, whoever that guy may be, London is probably going to start to creep into maybe even round four. And so is that fair? We'll find out. That's where DJ Moore was going. That's where DJ Moore. DJ Moore was going around the four or five turn. I'm looking at ADP now. And and that's probably where the hype will end up with with Drake London. Maybe it's round five just to be safe and conservative. Um, But I I think it's going to hopefully be justified. I like look I I you know it sounds like I'm anti I'm really just playing devil's advocate here. Well, I know. But I did want to bring up the fact that so you're making it personal the fa- and your argument's weak. The fact the Falcons And you got to stop using not that bad for below average situations. No, be, it's just because it, you have to put it into context with the rest of the league. 
and, and there are a lot of teams that were actually a lot worse than the Falcons. So I would say in terms of throwing the ball last year. So I would say that it's not a guarantee that things are going to get better for the passing game there. Maybe they get better for more for, for uh, London, but not necessarily overall for the passing game. All right. We got to take a break here. Um, yeah, we got to take a break and talk about Jacoby Myers and Chris and, uh, some, and Dalton Kincaid. And there's more. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. All right, Dave has Jacoby Myers as a player he loves. Jamie has Khalil Shakir. Who do you guys like better? Myers as of now. Uh, Shakir for me as of now. Right, I guess that's not a huge surprise. So, Dave, what, what is it that you like about Jacoby Myers? I like that he's underrated in fantasy drafts, and no one's going to be excited to draft him, but... When you look back on the year, he averaged 13.8 PPR points per game. He was actually he actually started the year even better than that, 15.5. Slowed down in the final nine games after McDaniels got fired, but still 12.5 PPR points per game. Year before in New England, 12.9. I think you can pencil him in for that 12 PPR point range, even though the Raiders say that they want to be a running team, even though there's just as big of a question mark in Las Vegas as there is in Atlanta over what to do at the quarterback spot. I think Myers is just a solid player, and a lot of fantasy managers are going to look at him. They're going to say he's 27 years old. He's not that great. He's not going to help me. I'm going to take on a different player that's got more upside. And honestly, if there's a player matched up, like if Christian Watson's there with him or JSN, I'm taking those guys ahead of of Jacoby Myers too. But I think Myers has a place as like a, a solid floor play in fantasy drafts that a lot of people are going to pass on and I'm going to get them. All right. And Jamie, uh, Khalil Shakir, I, you know, we can tie him into Dalton Kincaid, who is someone that Dave mentioned as a player. He loves, let me just give the last seven games of this. eh, Forget it because Gabe Davis is probably gone here, but all right. The last seven games of the season was when Dawson Knox returned from injury. So I was doing the Kincaid research here and this is what the targets were like for the Bills. Seven games would be five regular season games and two playoff games. Uh, the 17-game pace for targets. Diggs had 136, was on pace for 136. Kincaid, 92. Shakir, 66. James Cook, 58. And I didn't even bother with Gabe Davis. He was like, invisible. Was it zero he for had, Gabe Davis? Yeah, he was on pace for 34 targets. I think he had 14 targets in his last two games, his last seven games. Um, but uh, anyway, Jamie, um, what kind of a role do you think Shakir could end up having for this team? I think it depends what they do. You know, I mean, like you said, it, it, it feels as if Davis is, is gone. Um, will Shakir face significant competition, uh, whether it's, you know, in the draft or a free agent that comes to Buffalo? I don't know if that's necessarily the route that will end up happening. Most likely, I think we end up getting another rookie there because they have to eventually think about Diggs being gone, especially Diggs entering, you know, his early thirties, you know, so they have to start thinking about upgrades, but Shakir showed you, you know, in the final three games of the season. So week 18 against Miami and then the two playoff games and week 18 against Miami is when Davis got hurt is that he's a guy that Josh Allen likes and, and potentially likes a lot. And I think Kincaid falls in the same category because it's not just Dawson Knox. It's when Davis was gone as well. So when somebody was missing in Buffalo's offense, those are the two guys that he started to lean on a hell of a lot more. Yeah. And you referenced, I believe it was the playoff game, uh, the first playoff game, I think, for Buffalo, that, or maybe it was it was the loss against the Chiefs, uh, how little Josh Allen threw the ball. But his target share in terms of Kincaid was, was um, I think, number one. 
for what what uh, Kincaid, Allen him for. Kincaid yeah. led the team in receiving in three of their last four games, uh, including the two playoff games. Yeah, right, three. and 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 three of those games, Davis was either hurt or missed. So you know, it it just speaks to I think those two guys taking a step forward. Shakir's going to be in his third season. You know, so he's got an opportunity not to have an equal Collins type of breakout because no one should be expecting that, but certainly somebody that can be one of those third year type of receivers that takes a step forward. And so, like to to compare him to Jacoby Myers, for example, I think Myers, if Devontae Adams is gone and the Raiders are just really hitting the reset button, then Myers as the number one guy in Las Vegas is much more intriguing. Myers as the second guy in Las Vegas with a rookie quarterback, or in in, in the case of maybe a retread quarterback, if it's Russell Wilson is not going to be as exciting to me. I think Dave's point is right. You know, he's not a bad receiver to settle for and his floor should be okay, but I don't necessarily think he's going to have a high, as high a ceiling as the second guy in the offense, which is what we saw essentially when they got rid of McDaniels and Aiden O'Connell took over. Um, I, I think for what Shakir has to offer for what Kincaid has to offer, you're tying yourself to Josh Allen. You're putting yourself in a situation where Diggs may just not be as productive as he has been, even if he's still getting the targets as the number one guy. And so these two guys in particular can have some really big weeks. Uh, Shakir, I think, could be – Shakir will be better in PPR than non in half because I don't know how much the touchdowns will be there for him. Did have a big touchdown in the loss against the Chiefs, but uh, certainly somebody that can be heavily involved in in the the passing game as we saw from Joe Brady when he took over as the coordinator there. So like the setup for him, like the setup for Kincaid, uh, he would have been somebody, Dave, just having to put his name down first on the list uh, that I agree right. with. Kincaid's a top five tight end for me. Um, love the setup for him as uh, – you know, the the third of the younger tight ends. Um, I just finished writing something off of the Pro Bowl um, and speaking to, to to a couple of tight ends there. Evan Ingram and David Njoko will be on our site by the end of the day. And just kind of the where the position's at. We have three young guys that could be awesome in Laporta, second-year guy, McBride, third-year guy, and Kincaid, second-year guy. And all three of these guys, uh, for me, are top five tight ends. The other nice thing about Shakir and Kincaid is that they're both versatile. The Bills, if they're smart, can line them up all over the place. And I, look, I think that they could enter the season. Let's say they keep Stefan Diggs. They could theoretically make Kincaid. I'd argue that Kincaid would be their number two receiver, but you get him at tight end. And leaps and bounds are going to draft him ahead of any receiver, really, that we've been talking about. Probably Drake London as well. Shakir, though, like if he's if he's the legitimate second wide receiver in this offense, not necessarily the second target getter. I think he's got a chance to be good. Does he have the chance to be a little better than Jacoby Myers? Does he have more upside? Listen, if he's got Josh Allen's quarterback, I think it's hard to make the argument for Myers. I just think his floor is lower. It'll be interesting to see how that Bills offense shakes out. I'm much more confident that Kincaid is going to have a role that's locked into seeing, you know, a floor of six targets per game being a factor in the red zone maybe coming down with eight touchdowns in 2024. And it, it just makes sense for him as a top five fantasy tight end. I just hope we don't have to draft him that way. I just hope that people get more excited about some other guys who have proven a little bit more. Um, well, there's four that are locked in. There, there, yes. There's very yes. little idea that's going to shake the top four from being the top four, which is in whatever order you want. Laporta, Kelsey, McBride, and Andrews. And I, yep. I think th- those guys will be... You know, if anyone falls out of it, it'll be McBride just because the other three, one year for Laporta, but the other two are we know are established. So it's a matter of does does somebody push McBride down? But I don't think for me that I would anticipate that being the the top four. 
you know, is it going to be Kittle again? Is it going to be Ingram coming off a hundred catch season? Is it going to be Najoku with people getting enamored by that? Is Hawkinson healthy and people look at him and say he's the guy? And look, Kincaid's going to get a lot of hype. I, I think, understandably so, especially if if Davis is gone and no significant upgrade is brought in. You know, it's a it's a day two, day three type of rookie that they add that is not a lot of hype surrounding it. Um, most likely a day three guy. So, you know, then it's okay. All systems go for Kincaid. Maybe he becomes, you know, the the guy ahead of McBride based on ADP and and, and upside. Um, I doubt it, but it could happen. But yeah, I I think you're right, Adam. You don't want to draft him in that realm, but. Tight end five through eight is probably going to be a very similar ADP in how those guys are all gone. And of course, the first place my mind goes is, is that the dead zone for tight ends? Because in years past, when we've taken tight ends in that range, they haven't done so well. And so I'm looking at the two mock drafts we've done in full PPR. Kincaid went 88th overall, half PPR, he went 81st overall. That's basically on the border of round seven and round eight. That'd be great. Yep. It would be. I don't think he's going to go there. I think he's going to yeah. go at least a full round higher than that. <laughs> Me too. If not two rounds yeah. higher than that, depending on how things shake out in Buffalo. And like Jamie said, how is TJ Hawkinson doing? Does he have a chance to start the season on time? Is he? Does he make a great comeback from this injury that he had? If he does that, then I wonder if that pushes Kincaid down a spot. And Pitts could jump over him, but based on hype too, if you know he gets the right quarterback too. There's gonna there's a lot of scenarios that play Kittle, Ingram, Njoku, Hawkinson, those type of guys can all be ahead of Kincaid. I am debating right now. I'm like, do I bring up another point on this subject? Or do I just get to the emails? I don't know. What do you think? Should I, I got another good I think point. you should make your point the and I will sit and listen and not interrupt you at all. I think when you're looking that's at that's crazy. See, now you're <laughs> gonna be crazy. When you're looking at, you know, breakouts or undervalued players, just like Drake London, you're looking for quarterback upgrades. But don't discount quarterback upgrades on the quarterbacks that are that, that are remaining the same. And what I mean is in at the end of the year, those seven games I mentioned when Dawson Knox came back, the numbers were not good for anyone. But they also were not good for Josh Allen. And they will be better. Josh Allen averaged 211.6 passing yards per game. And part of that was, in the last seven games of the year, including the playoffs, part of that was Joe Brady. Uh, He was throwing only about 30 times per game. So I do think we have to ask ourselves two questions. One, was this just a fluke and Josh Allen's going to be more like 260 passing yards per game? It's a huge difference. 211.6 yards per game is horrible for Josh Allen. But also, is Joe Brady going to potentially be a fantasy killer? Is he going to be too conservative as a play caller? Um, is he going to make James Cook the most valuable player on the team, basically, uh, and for fantasy for fantasy purposes? So we do have to ask ourselves that. Like, we need a bounce back from Josh Allen. He was able to keep it up because he was scoring so many rushing touchdowns from a fantasy perspective. But as a thrower, with Joe Brady, it was, you know unproductive for everyone around him, basically. So let's see what a full off season looks like with him implementing yeah. maybe some of his own schemes and how much of it was them just changing some things on the fly or just tweaking some of Ken Dorsey's offense. I'm not worried about Josh Allen. Yeah. I, I, 
specifically, are you are you worried about Josh Allen's passing output? That's the question. Is this more no. about Kincaid? I mean, I mean, Diggs was a letdown. I think Diggs will be better. To what extent, we'll find out. But I think he'll be better. I think Kincaid in year two will be better. I think Shakir, if he's in a bigger role, year three will be better. Uh, whatever they do to enhance their receiving core, hopefully, will you know just help elevate Josh Allen's game. James Cook could be. Uh, has proven to be a great factor in the passing game too. So I'm not worried about that. I think if they had maybe won a Super Bowl this way, then you say, okay, they're going to just recreate the formula. But, you know, Josh Allen was getting MVP buzz by the end of the season. And so, you know, how much of that is, you know, they just try to maybe make a push to get him even more productive to win that award as well. All right, let's read an email or two to finish the show. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. This one comes from Steve from a city south of Evanston. Dave, city south of Evanston? Uh, A legit city or like a neighborhood of Chicago? <laughs> I let's, don't let's, care. Let's go, let's go with the 78. Okay. In one of your recent mailbag episodes, Adam mentioned that he used to be a theater and he put in quotes T H E A T R E. Yes, that's how we spell it in the biz. Theater. Theater management major at the University of Miami. It turns out my wife sold theater tickets with Adam during that time. I asked her what it was like to work with Adam. She said he was pretty, quote, checked out. End quote. I don't buy that. I, I don't believe. Okay. Uh, for the record, I defended Adam, explaining that he was forced to double major, and this wasn't even his original second major, second world. Anyway, my question for redraft, is this a bad year to adopt the great or late strategy at tight end? It seems like there is less separation between the top six this season. Yes. I was, I was not checked out, okay? I was, yes, you were. No, I took it somewhat seriously. I did a good job. I got an A. Would you say that you were not too bad? Uh, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, I would say it. I don't understand, but yes, I would say that I'm not too bad. You were in. You were not bottom ten, but you were eleventh. Oh, <laughs> I was twenty second. Yeah, I, I would. I would say that if we have an eyewitness um, viewing of your performance, we have to trust that because you're going to obviously be biased in your view of yourself. I remember right. the cold calls I had to make to people to try to get them to buy tickets to the University of Miami theater. Well, let's hear it. Give us, give us an example. Uh, oh boy, that, <laughs> um, no, I have nothing. I can't even make this funny. It was cold calls. It sounds like fun. you were checked out, all right. So, uh, speaking of, uh, of of theater, I ran into um, one of our our audience members. Uh, I saw Fiddler on the Roof this weekend, and I apologize for not remembering your name. Your family was wonderful from Michigan. Um, but standing in the uh, valet line at the end, and you know, it started to the line started to move. Just you know, the, the, these are you know, for, for me at least, awkward moments. Um, so we're having a nice conversation talking about the Super Bowl, which was the next day, and um, uh, they were Lions fans. And then the line just stopped moving. So it's like, how much? <laughs> like how, how do you continue the, the the conversation? You know, like we, oh yeah, have a you know, nice to meet you. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, very awesome and, and, and very appreciative that they listen to our show. Uh, but it's like, I, I, and I introduced my wife, whatever. Um, am I supposed to continue talking? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. There's, and you couldn't do and We talked about the show. We talked about football. We talked about fantasy. It was like, 
Right, I, I know that thing. Like, there's a moment when you're at an event, a wedding or whatever, and yeah. you're small talking with someone, and you both acknowledge it's over. It's gone as far yep. as it's going to go. And so there's always an out. There's other people. It's like, oh, excuse me, I've got to go say hi to someone else. Hey, yeah, but there was no excuse. out. There was no out. You were stuck. There was no out. There was no out. Yeah. The, the worst. You should have just turned, do what I do and just turn to them and say, so is there anything crazy you want to know about Adam, Jamie? I was at um, Comic-Con. And I met a like quasi celebrity and me and my friend were talking to him and we were boring him so much that his out of the conversation, he had an empty bottle of water in his hand and he said, oh, excuse me, I have to go recycle this. And he just <laughs> left. That was well, a, you you got to share the story that you told me when I told you about this one, about how you got recognized. Oh, God, this is this is awful. <laughs> It, it it's not going to beat mine in the emergency room. No, no, no. no. Not, this is this is not awful. From this is this is this is this is how Adam got recognized. Maybe we're not sure. I got my haircut two weeks ago, and I go at like five o'clock on a weeknight, so I'm I'm pretty much always the only one there, and I always wear one of my crappiest shirts to get a haircut because I'm going to get hair all over it. I'm going to take it off as soon as I get home. Take a shower. Yep. Um, by the way, bonus points if you go to a barber or a hairstylist that washes your hair after. That's what they should do. No. But That's this, why you always got to go to Kelly. This place doesn't even have sinks. But anyway, um, great haircut play. I love the place. So I wore my high school soccer shirt <laughs> that had my last name on the back, which is a really like embarrassing thing to wear out in public. But I figured nobody was going to see me. Of course, there was one other person, well, two. It was a father and son sitting behind me waiting to get a haircut. And as I got up, you know, I had the cape on the whole time, right? The, the thing that you wear when you get a haircut. As I got up out of the chair, he, he looks at me. He's like, you don't host that football podcast, do you? I'm, I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and so he was super nice guy. But I don't know if he recognized me because he heard me speak, hopefully, no, he or saw because your name. he saw the name on the back of my shirt, which is so lame. I was like very embarrassed <laughs> by that. A funny story. <laughs> like I would get, I never get recognized. Like maybe once a year, but I, I would of course be wearing that embarrassing shirt. <laughs> but at least I wasn't in the emergency room. Dave. You didn't think you were dying when somebody comes up to you and says, "I'm a huge fan of your show." <laughs> what was the problem, by the way? I'm, I have to talk about my medical problems on the show now. <laughs> what medication did you take? All right. Anyway, is this a bad year to adopt a greater late strategy at tight end? I think no. it's changed because I, I don't see there being a tight end that I'm happy to take in round one or round two or even round three. I think you can wait a little bit because there's some quality tight ends that can produce and you can find them as soon as round four. Round three will be when we start to see Laporta and Kelsey and maybe McBride or Andrews come off the board. Okay. I feel like that's too soon. Do you guys ever wear uh, your- it, it might be, but that's typically the, the range where the elite players are gone and you start to question, is this player a difference maker or is it somebody that I'm taking because the floor is high or is it too much of a risk? And in the case of some of those tight ends, they probably both qualify. Or, you know, d different tight ends qualify for each answer. But I think, you know, I know you've talked about this a lot, Dave, is like, okay, I'll pivot to the quarterback at this point, you know, at least right. last year. And I think in, in the case of some of these tight ends, that's where the pivot will come. 
that's the first pivot. You'll pivot there before quarterback. Right. Well, some people will still go quarterback, but that's that's a good pivot point to a different position. And it, I mean, look, Laporta, if he builds off of his rookie campaign, amazing. If Kelsey can do it one more time, amazing. Then McBride can do what he did in the, you know, seven games when Ertz was gone, amazing. You know, so there's there's reasons to justify it. By the way, uh, Steve from a city south of Evanston included a picture of his wife for Adam to see. Now, be honest. Did you try to date his wife? No. Yeah. No, I did not. No? No, I didn't. I, I, Why are you insulting his wife? I she's, did. I'm like just saying, I didn't try to date her. <laughs> no, she's a lovely She woman. would have said no to you anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, you're out. Yeah, she's, she's like, this guy doesn't even care about theater. Why am I going to? Right. Why would he care about me? I'm going to go marry Steve. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, it was a picture of what? Six, six girls in the theater department? How many of those did you try to date legitimately? I'm not, you know, none of them. None of them. I'm a, I'm a professional. Okay. Like I came, I went there, I sold tickets, maybe, and that was it. Um, all right. Anyway, uh, we're, we're out of here. And uh, <laughs> we're out of here. And uh, I'm, I'm, did you wear your soccer jersey while you were selling tickets? Good, I, you know, I swear Dave, I said nothing, Adam. Before Dave I didn't speak, tell him anything. I didn't text him. The show is over. I didn't say a word.